we have been going through, thank you, worship team, we've been going through uh, what is called the nine tests of a Christian. And how many of you have been here for, this is the seventh one, how many of you have been here at least for five? All right, good. At least for five of them. These are nine tests that every Christian is going to go through. And we have been through the wilderness test, the patience test, the motives test, the failure test, discouragement test, and the self-will or pride test. So if you don't get any of those, you can always pick them up in the bookstore because tonight's test for a Christian is the misunderstanding test. Anybody ever been misunderstood? If you're married, you've been misunderstood. If you're the parent of a teenager, you have been misunderstood. If you are uh, best friends, you have been misunderstood. It's just life. But it's also a test that every Christian has to go through. So open your Bibles with me to two scriptures, John 10, 10. Put your finger there and also turn to Hebrews chapter 12. John 10, 10 and Hebrews chapter 12. When you got it, say amen. Hmm. Got to wait a little bit longer. Okay, all together, how many got it? Okay, good. John 10.10 reads like this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Hebrews 12.3 reads like this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Turn around to somebody and say, today I'm going to learn not to misunderstand. Go ahead and have a seat. I know this is a tough one for everybody. Being misunderstood is probably one of the most common problems that every Christian must face. People fail to understand our motives. They jump to false conclusions. Others assume things about Christians that grow out of feelings more than facts. If you're married, oh, this is for you because you will be hit by your feelings. And that's where the misunderstanding comes, when we let our feelings get in the way. Parents and children today, Oh my gosh, they're consistently struggling to understand each other. And, and I, I found something, and if you're the parent of a teenager, let me, see, let me see your hands. If you're a parent of a teenager, okay, this is especially for you. Especially for you. Because there's a constant struggle for parents and children and teenagers especially to understand each other. Now, Understand the context of it. It's, it's a, a little article, but you've got to follow along with me. Especially if you're a parent of a teenager, you will really understand this. Children are dogs, loyal and affectionate. Teenagers are cats. It's easy to be a dog owner, 
You feed it, you train it, you boss it around. It puts its head on your knees and gazes up at you like if you're a priceless painting. It bounds indoors with enthusiasm when you call it. Then around 13, your adorable little puppy turns into a big old cat. When you tell it to come inside, it looks amazed, as if wondering who died and made you emperor. Instead of dogging your footsteps, it disappears. You won't see it again until it gets hungry. Then it pauses on its sprint through the kitchen to turn up its nose at whatever you're serving. When you reach out to ruffle its head in that old affectionate gesture, it twists away from you. Then it gives you a blank stare as if trying to remember who you really are. <laughs> you, not realizing that the dog is now a cat, think something must be desperately wrong with it. It seems so antisocial, so distant, sort of depressed. It never wants to go on family outings anymore. Since you're the one who raised it, you taught it to fetch, to stay, to sit. You assume that you must have done something wrong. So you become flooded with guilt and fear, and you redouble your efforts to make your pet behave. Only now you're dealing with a cat so that everything that worked before now produces the opposite result. If you call it, it runs away. If you tell it to sit, it jumps on the counter. The more you go toward it, trying to reach with it with your hands, the more it moves away. Instead of continuing to act like a dog owner, you have to learn how to behave like a cat owner. Put a dish of food near the door and let it come to you. But remember that a cat still needs your help and affection too. Sit still and it will come. Seeking the warm, comfortable lap it has not entirely forgotten. Be there to always open the door for your cat. One day, your grown-up child will walk into the kitchen, give you a big kiss, and say, you've been on your feet all day. Let me do those dishes for you. <laughs> then you will realize that your cat is a dog again. <laughs> that was just for you, parents of teenagers. I wish I would have known that when my kids were teenagers. <laughs> but it's a good little dog-cat story. But if you so parents, if you have a dog right now, Enjoy them. Just enjoy them. And if you have a cat, just know it will pass. They will turn back into a little dog again. Okay? There's hope. So I just wanted to let you know that little story there. Misunderstandings. They also come when we struggle to understand those that we work with and those that we live around. Misunderstandings arise and it always will hinder progress. It will stop relationships. It will destroy our peace of mind. Misunderstandings come because we all have gaps. We have a generation gap. We have a social gap. We have an educational gap. We have a religious gap. We have a cultural gap. All of these things cause misunderstandings to take place. 
in our life. But misunderstandings shouldn't really surprise Christians. Because you've got to remember that Christ going to the cross was the result of his being misunderstood. Misunderstandings are defined as, one, the fail to understand, and two, the failure to interpret correctly. Ever said, that's not what I meant? That's when we interp misinterpret incorrectly. Misunderstandings are common and can start a whole destructive cycle of disagreements and arguments and quarrels. And these things, these things can last for a little short time. And sometimes these misunderstandings can last a lifetime. There are people on their deathbed who will not forgive because they got hurt. It was a misunderstanding. And there are some of you even in this room today, you have a misunderstanding with a loved one and you're holding on to it. And God is going to challenge you today to let it go. Because misunderstandings are common. Misunderstandings are just things that take place in our life. And you got to learn how to deal with it. This is the test, a test that every single one of us as a Christian must encounter. So what do misunderstandings do? Number one, or what can they do? Number one, they can lead to the separation of close friends. In Acts 15, 37 through 39, I'm just going to read these scriptures to you. The Bible says that Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed sharply since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. They, these two men were godly men. These two men were serving God. These two men were, were working together to build a church, to go and encourage people. This was Paul and Barnabas, and they got into a disagreement. And that's what misunderstandings can do. It'll tear apart relationships even here in the church. It tore apart John, Mark, and Paul. Later on, if you continue reading, you'll find out that they reconciled. But it didn't happen right away because they got mad and one guy took off this way and the other guy took off the other way. Still doing God's work. All in the spirit of misunderstanding. Misunderstandings, it can separate close friends. Secondly, misunderstandings will hinder the work of God. It'll hinder the gospel. Philippians 4, 2 and 3 says, And now I want to plead with those two dear women. I don't know why it says women, but those two dear women, Euodius and Syntyche, please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more. Be friends again. And I ask you, my true teammate, to help these women for they work side by side with me in telling the good news to others. And they work with Clement too and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. These are two women who were working along with Paul. The greatest, one of the greatest men who wrote more than half of the New Testament. And he's pleading with these two women to get along. They were splitting up the church. Because you know what happens when you have two friends, especially two women. 
One woman has these friends and the other woman has these friends. And these friends don't talk to these friends and these friends won't talk to these friends. Why? Because it's just those two. Just those two and they separate everybody. And that can separate and divide a church. All over what? A misunderstanding. Your kid hit my kid. You took a diaper out of my diaper bag without asking. You took my seat. You took my parking space. You bumped into me and didn't say you were sorry. You walked right past me and didn't shake my hand. And the list goes on for women. Women can be vicious. I hear men going, mm-hmm. <laughs> See, but men have a different way of dealing with it. Because you know what men do. Men think they're a little bit more civilized. Because men will talk to you. They can't stand you, but they'll talk to you. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. And they go right on. That's the extent of their conversation. But they won't communicate. And see, women are communicators. So if they can't communicate, if they've been hurt or misunderstood, they just stop. But men will still do that. Hey, how you doing? Oh, okay, good. And just keep on going. And that's the difference. That's the total difference. And so, but you need to understand that women, I'm talking to you. You can separate and divide whole groups of ministries and whole groups of Christians. And you can even divide the church by having a misunderstanding with each other. By you sitting on this side and the other one sitting on that side. And when it's time to greet and you're all happy, hey, God bless you, God bless you. Oh, God bless you, God bless you. Because you notice, oh, that's her. I'm getting close. Got to let it go. Let it go. Because those misunderstandings are not going to give God glory in your life or through your life. Number three, misunderstandings can result in mistreatment. In Genesis 37, 26, Judah, this is the story of Joseph. Judah said to his brothers, what are we going to gain by killing our brother? His blood will just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. When you are misunderstood, you will be mistreated. You will feel what? hey, I didn't get invited. Nobody invited me. I, I just talked to somebody yesterday. It's so funny. And I said, hey, are you going to go? We can probably go together to this event. And they said, well, I didn't get invited. I said, well, <laughs> I'm inviting you. Well, it's not your party. Yeah, but come on. Let's go. Come with me. No, I'm not going. Hello. You feel like nobody invited me. Poor me. I'm just going to stay home all by myself. And you, you, go, you cry. You're a grown man and you're crying. Because you got mistreated. You didn't get invited. Chalk it up. It got lost in the mail. Go anyway. Go anyway. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? 
say, excuse me, I didn't invite you. <laughs> no, you wouldn't know everybody there anyway. Go anyway. You can, you can go anyway. I'm telling you, you can go. Misunderstandings can result in loss. John 6, 66 says, at this point, many of Jesus' disciples turned away and deserted him. Some of you have experienced loss. Since you became a Christian, there are people who are no longer your friend. There are friends that you thought were hope to die till the wheels fall off friends. And now you want to go to church, and they don't want to go to church. They're like, you know, I'll catch you later. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I got to do what I got to do. And you'll find that those friends that you thought were going to be there till the end are not there now. Because you want to go the direction of the journey of serving the Lord, and they want to go in another direction. You are going to experience everything that the Lord Jesus experienced because they misunderstood him. These were disciples. These were men and women who followed him, who lived with him, who ate with him, that he trusted and that they trusted him. These were not men that just said, oh, I, I want to check him out. No, these were disciples. And the Bible says that they turned away and deserted him. You're going to have friends that are going to desert you. You're going to have friends that are not going to be there. What are you going to do? You're going to be misunderstood. You've got to keep going forward. You've got to not get weary well-doing, for you will reap if you faint not. God will give you hope to die till the wheels fall off, friends. I remember so clearly coming to the Lord at 17, from Catholic school, and not one of my friends in Catholic school understood me accepting Christ. They didn't understand, what is the matter with you? I don't know, I just like this church. You know, God's going to strike you dead? That that's what we really believe. And, and I would say, well, it hasn't happened yet. And, and I would try to invite them and it, it was a real weird situation because I, I'm a teenager and I'm trying to witness to all my Catholic school friends. And, and even the nuns were saying, you know what, if you want to do that, be quiet. Don't bring that in here. So it was a real difficult um, opposition that I was facing. But all of my friends that I thought were my friends cut me because I started going to church. They didn't understand. I didn't understand. But all I do know is this, that when I came to church and there were times when I was alone, at times when I really wished I would have had a friend, I always remember somebody told me, you need to pray for a friend. You need to pray for a friend. And I will tell you that I have friends that I made that first year that are still my friends today. 38 years later, they're still my friends. They are still my back-to-back. -back. They are still the people that I can call because I ask God, give me friends. Some of you, you're, you're feeling all alone. You feel like, man, nobody understands me. Pray for friends. God will answer your prayer. Pray for friends. Pray for godly friends. Don't just pray for friends. Pray for godly friends. Pray for godly friends. And God will do that. <coughs> Misunderstandings occur when people misinterpret or mistake 
the true meaning of your actions, your words, your attitudes, or your motives. And the reason I say all that is because David, King David, his motives were misunderstood by his own brothers. In 1 Samuel 17, 28, it says this, But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What are those few sheep you're supposed, where are those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just wanted to see the battle. Totally misunderstood. He wasn't trying to spy out the battle. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. He wasn't trying to do something that would, you know, make him a king. He was just trying to see who is, who's the guy over here that's coming against the Lord God Almighty? Who's defying his name? He wasn't trying to say, I'll be the one. He wasn't doing any of that. But his older brother and sometimes older Christians misunderstand the motives and the actions and the talk of new Christians. New Christians come in and they want to do something great for God. They want to say, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you got the older Christians who say, don't be so proud, brother. Come on, sister, just cool it. And it's the older ones that are squashing and seeing things that are not really there because you're misunderstanding. And then what happens to the new ones is that they feel they get misunderstood. And you know what? They don't do nothing. And we have people who are here who are new have been stopped from doing anything because somebody older has told them, cool it. If somebody older tells you to cool it, I'm telling you, don't listen to them. You do what God has called you to do, and you, God will open up a door for you. Don't kick down a door. God will open up a door. There's many of you who have gifts. You have talents. I've had a number of new women come to me and say, you know what, I want to cook at the Journey Cafe, but I was told that I have to be here a year. Who told you that? Whoever told you that? Wrong. Wrong. We're taking a list. Checking it twice. Why do we have to have this misunderstanding test? Because it humbles us. It reveals our pride. Sometimes when we get misunderstood, man, it feels horrible to be misunderstood. But we got to go through that because sometimes we got a little bit of pride. Sometimes we just don't communicate the right way. This happens with married couples. There's a misunderstanding between a husband and a wife because there's not enough communication or there's not enough clear communication. And then when you finally do get together, the explanation is, well, you already know me. You know how I talk. You know how, what I meant. Why are you getting all upset? You already know me. No, 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 no. Don't you dare use that excuse. You learn to communicate. You learn to say what you mean and mean what you say. If you're a married couple, the only thing that will really come against you is your own weaknesses, your own self, your own pride. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I didn't say it the right way or I didn't communicate it the right way. No, you're proud. He said, well, you should already know. You should know how I am. You should know how I communicate. That's pride. I'm, I'm seeing elbows. <laughs> That's why we got to go through the misunderstanding test. 
And we always don't see the bigger picture the way God sees it. See, when we're shown our weaknesses, it teaches us to rely on God and his word and not on our own abilities. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but rather we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. See, being misunderstood is going to bring humility into our life. And for some of us, that is a virtue that we desperately need. Not a little bit. Some of us need a lot. James 4, 6, and 7 says, God gives strength to the humble, but he sets himself against the proud and haughty. So give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what's so hard to be proud when everybody has misunderstood you? It's really hard to be proud when people have looked at you and go, what were you thinking? Well, but that's not what I meant. And everybody's all thinking the same thing. You did it with the wrong motive. You did it in the wrong actions. You did it in the wrong way. You said it in the wrong way. But I'll tell you this. If you are sitting here today and you are feeling misunderstood, the Bible says that the more you humble yourself before God, the more power you will have in your life. The more you stop trying to defend yourself, the more you stop trying to make a name for yourself, the more you stop trying to make the wrong thing right, the more you just say, you know what, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's my fault. The more you humble yourself, the more strength you will get. That's just how it works. God's kingdom is upside down. That's how I pray today. We think the more we get, then we can give. God says, no, you give first and then you get. It says, well, but if you humble yourself, then you'll grow stronger. We think, no, if I humble myself, then I'm going to get weak. No, God says it's the opposite. It's totally the opposite. The three greatest virtues of Christianity, according to St. Augustine, who was one of the greatest, greatest uh, authors of uh, Old Testament time. He says the three greatest virtues of Christianity, humility, humility, humility. That's what he said. Those are the three greatest virtues. You want to know what they are? Humility, humility, humility. When you begin to work with people long enough, you begin to know one thing. People are strange. Are they not strange? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse. People are strange. You're strange. I'm strange. But if we remember that God gives strength to the humble, it doesn't matter how strange the people that we work with, that we live with, that we come to church with, when we humble ourselves, God gives us strength. See, because humility is a weapon. It is a weapon that we can fight the enemy with. It's a weapon that we can say, you know what? I am going to use my weapon of humility to fight the enemy. And the Bible says that if we come against the enemy, he will flee. All the power of God comes into our lives with humility. Because, see, most people are consumed with their own self. It's a me first generation. Some of us feel if we don't toot our own horn, then we're going to get forgotten. No, if you stop tooting your horn, you might get noticed. 
you might get noticed. Have you ever been around some people when you're having a conversation and you'll say, um, oh, you know what, I, I, I bought this, this, uh, um, this great machine. Oh, you should see the one I got. That one's way better. Or, you know, man, I'm looking for this. The, I was talking to somebody just today. Um, this is the truth. And because um, I crashed my car, it's totaled out. I don't have a car. And, um, and so I, I was talking, and, I, and they were saying, so what happened with your car? And I said, it's totaled. You know, the insurance company said they can't do nothing with it. It's done. And um, they said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to have to go look for another car. What kind of car are you going to look for? Well, I'm going to look for a little bit bigger car and, and uh, one that I can step up because as I'm getting a little older, you know, it's a little bit harder to get out of the car than it used to be. So, and they said, you know what, that's exactly what I want, and I want to get it. And they went on for five minutes telling me all about the kind of car they want. And, and there are, you know, there is just sometimes when you meet people and you're talking, and it's like they always want to go one up on you. They always want to have one, a better story than you. They all, and, and you got to remember, it's only in humility. Let somebody else toot your horn. Don't toot your horn. Take your tutor out of your mouth. Pull it out of your spouse's mouth sometimes. You know, you don't have those buvuzulas. Take them out. Because God will raise you up. Humility was one of the last actions that Jesus performed before he went to the cross. You all know the Last Supper where it says he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water in a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. I put in two points here just for leaders. And those of you who aspire to be leaders, this is just for you. Because first, leadership carries with it the promise to be misunderstood. It is guaranteed you will be misunderstood. You want to be a leader? No, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will be misunderstood. Nobody is going to understand the situation the way a leader does. The children of Israel didn't understand things the way that Moses did. The crowds didn't understand things the way that Jesus did. Your wife and your children are not going to understand the decisions that you make either. They're just not going to understand them. If you lead and you make tough decisions, people will not always understand the whole circumstances of why you do what you do. Why? Why? Because they're not the leaders. It's not their responsibility, and it's not their God-given charge. As a leader, it's yours. If you're the head of your house, you're the leader. You make decisions for your household. If you're a leader at your job, there are sometimes you got to make decisions. Sometimes I make decisions, and not everybody's happy with them, but guess what? I see the bigger picture. You don't always know every single detail, so you may not understand. Because if you lead people and you make tough decisions, not everybody is always going to understand all the circumstances the way that you do. Because it's not your God-given charge. It's the leaders. And secondly, those of you who are leaders or you aspire to be leaders, know this. If your goal is to avoid criticism, then don't even get into leadership, or if you are a leader, get out. Step down. I'm serious. 
step down. If you don't want to be criticized, don't even get into leadership. And if you are already there, hang up your leadership hat. Get out. Because if your goal is to make an impact, impact requires change. And people don't always understand change, and they're going to criticize you. People are going to criticize you if you go this way or if you go that way because some people like this way better than they like that way. There's a story in Exodus chapter 5 where Moses and Aaron go in to talk to the Pharaoh and they begin to beg for mercy. They begin to beg that Pharaoh would let his people go. You all know that. And Pharaoh, what he does is he calls the Israelites lazy and he actually doubles their workload. And so Moses and Aaron walk out of Pharaoh's court, and there's an Israelite foreman who is standing there waiting for him. And the foreman who heard what was happening inside Pharaoh's court, you know what he tells him? You can read this for yourself in Exodus 5. He says, may God judge you for what you have done. Moses was sent by God. Moses was sent to set the Israelites free. And this foreman, who didn't understand a thing, was saying, may God judge you. I wonder how alone Moses felt in that moment. No one understood the situation like Moses did. Nobody understood this responsibility that he was carrying when he went before Pharaoh. Nobody could see the bigger picture. All they saw was their little picture of how it affected them. And the truth is, when you're a leader, there's going to be many times that you're going to be required to stand alone. To stand alone. Pharaoh wasn't happy with him. The children of Israel weren't happy with him. Nobody was happy with him. He was all alone. But as a leader, leader of your house, leader at your job, leader in this church, as a leader, you have to do what God has told you to do, even if it means standing alone. Now I'll get off my leader's soapbox and go back. What does misunderstanding do? It reveals the necessity for patience. Because being misunderstood means that sometimes we lay plans. And then that's when the misunderstanding happens, especially in marriages. The husbands will say, we're going to go this way. But it, the plans are not totally communicated in the right way. So the wife doesn't always understand, or vice versa. Sometimes the wife wants to do something one way, and the husband doesn't understand. And so... There has to be a time for patience. Like, okay, we won't do this. We'll wait. We'll just hold on. If not everybody in your household is on the same page, don't be so quick to act. Sometimes if there's a misunderstanding, that may be God's way of saying, hold up a little bit. Learn how to communicate. Get everybody on the same page. It might be a good idea to just Take your tennies off, put your feet up, and enjoy your family before you move to the next step. Misunderstanding will also reveal the need for forgiveness. 
because of the differences that we have as a people. We have educational differences, social status differences, generational differences. All of these different things come in. And sometimes we can look, as, look at people and think, man, oh, they're so weak. They're just weak. They can't do this. They can't, they can't get through this. They don't know how to pick themselves up. They don't know how to push through. They don't know, and, and we judge people. We don't know what their background is. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know what, what difficulties they're in right now, and we judge them so quickly. We don't know that they've been told they were nothing all their life, and then they come up, and then we judge them so quick because they're, they're, they can't make a decision. They don't know, or they're afraid. Colossians 3.21 says, God loves you and has chosen you as his special people. So be gentle, kind, humble, meek, and patient. Put up with each other and forgive anyone who does you wrong, just as Christ has forgiven you. That's what we're supposed to do with those that are weak. Misunderstanding helps us to measure our own maturity. Sometimes we think we're real mature and then somebody misunderstands us and then all of a sudden all our fruits fall off. I mean, they're just like all over the place. How dare they misunderstand what I meant? And all of a sudden that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, patience is out the window and now all you've got is anger and frustration and who do they think they are and you get resentful and all your fruits fell out because somebody misunderstood you. That's what will happen when you don't deal with misunderstanding. You can get angry. You can be resentful. You can respond with a lack of wisdom. Well, what about you? Ever said that to somebody when we, we're misunderstood? Well, what about you? And we just throw it right back at them instead of just zipping the lip. Sometimes we get misunderstood and we get depressed. I've been there. I've been, been misunderstood, and I have gotten depressed. How could they misunderstand? I did not mean that. I did not say that. That's not what I wanted to do. And people misinterpret, and they get misunderstood, and they get upset, and then I was getting depressed. Like, man, how could they do that? That's what will happen when we don't deal with misunderstanding. Some people can even get bitter. Conflict and bitterness in the church is the most damaging matter to the work of God. How we get along with each other is more important than all of your experience, than all of your intelligence, than all of your gifts, and all of your talents. How we get along with each other is more important to God than your gifts. It's more important than your talents. It's more important than your degree in, in school. It's more important than anything else. How we get along with each other is a revelation of who God is in our life. If we can't get along with each other, then we're just saying that God is not real. Because it says when you see them, you see him. So if we're not reflecting him, then I don't care if we have a master's. I don't care if we can sing like Chica, I wish. I don't, does it matter if we can play a musical instrument like Luis? It just doesn't matter. If we don't get along with anybody, it doesn't matter. Because when we get misunderstood, you know what it's supposed to do? It's supposed to force us to learn how to speak more clearly. 
It's supposed to teach us how to tolerate more people. It's supposed to teach us to be patient with other people. It's supposed to teach us how to learn to be humble in the face of opposition. It's supposed to learn to teach us how to zip the lip and not be so defensive when we get misunderstood. Because misunderstandings are going to occur, and they're going to occur a lot. And they can do damage if we allow them to. So it's important as a Christian that we have to learn how to deal with misunderstandings the right way. Because we're all going to be misunderstood at some point in our life. And how we deal with it is going to reveal our character and our maturity and our ability to lead. When we fail the misunderstanding test, it could leave us defeated and even bitter and even walking out of the church. But when we pass it, it'll bring us closer to each other and closer to the character of Christ. You know, we live in a culture of information and the internet. And how many times have I been misunderstood and maybe even you've been misunderstood in typing a text or sending an email? Maybe you send it by accident as a capital. The whole thing is a capital. And, and the other person reads it and they're like, whoa, they're yelling at me. And the other person is like, they're not even thinking anything. They're thinking, I like capitals. I, that's what, that was one of my things. I, I like, my whole message is in capitals. I like capitals. And, but sometimes you can say things in capitals and people misunderstand. They think you're mad at them. They think you're yelling at them. And that's how we get misunderstood. Little things. Not yelling. So I've come to realize that being misunderstood is not really that bad of a thing. Because it comes with the territory. It comes with my position. It comes with serving God. It comes with being a Christian. It comes with being a disciple of Christ. It's important that we all learn to have thick skin. That we need to stay true to the God who has called us. And we have to stand for what we believe. And we need to learn how to humble ourselves. Chuck Swindoll said it best when he said this. He said, courage is not limited to the battlefield or to the Indianapolis 500 or bravely catching a thief in your house. The real tests of courage are much quieter. They are the inner tests, like remaining faithful when nobody's looking, like enduring pain when the room is empty, and like standing alone when you're misunderstood. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes there's a season for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. There is a season that you will be misunderstood. I guarantee it. But I want to remind you of this. The key word, it's a season. It's not a lifetime. It's not forever. It may feel like it, but it's just a season. And for some, it may be a real short season. And for others, that may be a longer season, but it's just a season. Don't give up. Don't get weary. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say things you don't really mean in anger. Don't mess up the things that God has given you because you feel misunderstood. 
Because when you have the proper attitude, it's through the seasons of being misunderstood that we actually build a heart of understanding. I'm so much more tolerant of people because of being misunderstood. I didn't used to be like that. I didn't used to be as tolerant. I didn't used to be as communicative. I didn't used to be a whole lot of things. But because of how it's happened to me, it's just like those of you who have ever been sick and you've been in the hospital, you have a heart for other people who are sick. If you've never been sick and you've never been in the hospital, you sometimes don't have that burden. But when you've been in the hospital and you've had to endure pain and you've had to endure separation from your family, there is a burden and compassion that is developed in you bigger than other people. And it's the same way. When you've been misunderstood, your capacity to work with people, your capacity to overlook an offense, your capacity to love, your capacity to endure, your capacity for humility begins to grow. And you're willing to say, I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry if I pushed you away. I didn't mean that. I didn't. I looked at the wrong way. I said the wrong thing. Whatever it was, I'm sorry. When you are misunderstood, you're so willing to grow and let God do what he wants to do in your life. So don't worry about being misunderstood because you're going to have to go through that test. But focus on developing a heart of understanding. Pass the test. And there's some of you today, you have to pass this test. You're there. You're there. And God is challenging you today. Today's your day to pass this test. Stand with me tonight. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to think about where you're at. Maybe you've been failing some of these tests. Maybe you have an offense because you feel you're misunderstood and you've been holding on to it. And God is saying, today you got to let it go. Or maybe you're the one that is holding an offense against somebody else because you misunderstood them. And they try to come up to you and you're like, no. Pride has developed in your life. And God is trying to teach, teach us humility, teach us to let it go, teach us to humble ourselves to gain the strength. I don't know what area the Lord spoke to you about, but I do know this. He spoke to you. And I'm going to open up the altar for you to come tonight and just get it together with the Lord. This is step number one, is to get it together with God. Step number two is to get it together with whoever you need to get it together with. The altars are open for you tonight to come. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come